Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. I think any job that forces you to make a choice that compromises your values. I think that definitely, because that was what was going on in Iraq. Like, yeah, I loved doing you know military stuff. I loved going to the field. Uh, but then I'd gotten to a place I that went against my own values that, you know, every life is precious, no matter what. And here I'm in a war zone, breaking a man's ribs on my daughter's birthday. Welcome to Beyond the Rut the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut and live a life worth living. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and actually, I'm not your host today. Uh, Ken Carfagno, last week's guest on Beyond the Rut, took over the microphone in August 2021 at Podcast Movement and decided he was going to interview me for my own show. So weird. But when he came up with the idea, he told me where he wanted to go with it. I said, you know what? I think you're on to something. Let's try this. So this is episode 300 of Beyond the Rut. And to celebrate this milestone, uh, Ken felt that the best thing for us to do was to open up the doors, let you see behind the scenes and get to know the host, me, just a little bit more. So we're going to dig a little bit into my life, what inspired me to live life beyond the rut, and then what was a rut that I have been facing for a very long time. A lot of people think maybe I've got it together or maybe I think I've got it together. That is so far from the truth. Just like anybody else, I face struggles. I face my own ruts. And it's this mantra of living life beyond the rut that gets me moving the needle forward in life and enjoying life to the fullest. So sit back and relax unless you're throwing, I don't know, hot potatoes at each other because why not? Uh, Here we go. Welcome back to Beyond the Rut Podcast. This is not Jerry Dugan. Either that or I'm an amazing ventriloquist. But I am a guest host today. This is Ken Carfagno from the Smart Cleaning School Podcast. And I have become a new friend of Jerry here at Podcast Movement 2021. And I was asking him about his podcast. And I said, Jerry, you help so many people by interviewing them and finding out what their rut was and bringing those people to your audience. I said, Jerry, has anyone ever asked you what your rut was? And he said, he kind of covered his face and said, no. I said, well, what if we turn the tables? You can interview me (laughs) and then I'll interview you. He says, ooh. So Jerry, what do you think about that? I I got very nervous when you threw that out there. And I was like, (laughs) dang it. Okay. So you you were put in front of me for a reason. Uh, most likely because it was Vincent's fault. He introduced us. Um, Let's give a shout so, out. Yeah. Vincent Pugliese, we're, we're coming after you. No kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought it would be very interesting because the, because you'd asked when's the last time I shared my story or if I ever shared it on the show. And, uh, it years ago when I talked about the happiness advantage, I gave just a sliver of it. So I've shared my story on other shows, but not this one to this audience. The, the folks listening right now, I haven't really shared it all with you. All right, everyone. You want to hear Jerry's story? Okay, I'm waiting. What'd you say? Yeah, let's do this. Okay. All right. I'll take that as a yes. (laughs) Let's start right here, Jerry. Yesterday, we were talking to a new dad. His name is Ben. The three of us were talking. Oh, yeah, yeah. I shared a story, and you were just nodding along. I think both of us were welling up. I shared the story that, you know what? I was at this camp up in the Adirondacks, just me and my my eight-year-old son. And, you know, some, some of these places, these campgrounds... 
with these pristine lakes and cabins. They're like the land that like time forgot. Time just stands still at these places. And this is a father-son retreat that I've gone to multiple times. Shout out. It's called Northern Frontier in the Adirondacks. <laughs> Christian camp. It's awesome. But I brought three of my sons through it twice. One of my, my next son will be in two years. But I'm in this cabin with my eight-year-old. And I look over in the corner of the cabin. And I see vividly, Jerry, my six-year-old son, Kenny, who's now 16. And I see him. I see me, the 34-year-old version of me. I see the six-year-old version of my son, Kenny, as I'm there with my eight-year-old. And it was vivid like I was there. And I just had this profound moment that the proverbial, hey, if you just snap your fingers, time just flies by and your kids grow up before you know it. Yeah. And I was sharing that and Jerry, you started welling up because yeah. this guy, Ben, has little kids, right? He does. I and, think uh, the oldest is what, seven or eight? Yeah. yeah. And, and and so at six, seven, eight, you're like, oh, my kids, I'll have them forever. And I still have some young ones. But I wanted to just relate that story to you. And, you know, what was it that really triggered some emotion? Because you said your son is like 20, 21 years old. Yeah. Uh, this month, well, we're recording August 2021 and my son turns 20 this year. So my baby boy, um, yeah, the, the guy who I saw born in Germany, uh, you know, the first thing I saw of him was his rear end, just by the way the doctors pulled him out. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that kid, that screaming hungry child, um, is now 20. He's going to be 20. And I was just thinking, man, I mean, when he was born, you know, folks I would consider old at the time would be like, oh, enjoy them now because before you know it, they're going to be grown up. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, old person. And then our daughter was born two years later, less than two years later, uh, Emma. And so Jacob's my son, Emma's my daughter. My daughter just graduated high school like just a few months ago. And, you know, we're sending her off to college in a couple of weeks. And uh, so my baby girl is 18 years old, you know, and my son's 20. And, um, so the, the day that I knew would always come where my wife and I are empty nesters is just two to three weeks away. And, um, you know, so it, it, it really did fly by. Like the, the elementary school years seemed normal. It was just like, all right. You felt it. like you had forever, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And all of a sudden middle school hit and that's when the snap happened. The snap the, the happened. The snap in a way. You know? And 10 years it, blew past. Yes. I mean, so eight fast. to 10 years. Yeah. yeah. And I bring that up, Jerry, because just thinking about your show, you know, Beyond the Rut, I mean, there's probably a lot of men that feel this, and I would love to hear your story, your version of this, but maybe there's guys out there that they have these, you know, these kids that are young, and they think, oh, I've got plenty of time with them. They're in a rut. I got them. I got them. I go to work, come back, go to work, come back. I still got them. And then there's the other guy listening to this. Maybe they're maybe in their 50s, and they got kids that are 20, 21, 22, and they're still in the rut. And they look at their kids, boom, they're 21. Does this speak to you at all? I mean, did you have a, a, a time period in your life where time flew by and you were in a rut and you, and you oh boy, I wish I wouldn't have missed those years? Or I, I don't, I don't know. Like, were, was there a time frame like this for you? Um, I don't know if it was my own rut, but I think it, seeing my parents miss out. Um, so my parents were both involved when my brother and I were little. Yeah. And then, uh, they did, divorced when I was 11 and my brother was nine. And so from there, like now my dad's a single parent. And so he's, you know, you know, we talked about your, your dad and his work ethic, uh, on, an, on another episode and my dad worked hard. So he worked Monday through Friday. Uh, he was a military policeman in the U S army and on the weekends to make ends meet. Cause I mean, we were living in California. It's expensive there. Uh, my dad's doing extra work for my grandfather 
in the furniture refinishing business my grandfather has. And so, like, I saw my dad early morning when he took off to work. I'd see him maybe in the evenings. And then I hardly saw him on the weekends. And so from sixth grade through my high school years, my dad missed every, almost every concert I was in. I was I played tuba. I played tuba? I, I was in the heavy metal. Yeah, in a big way. Uh, sorry, band joke. Heavy metal. <laughs> Get this guy off his own show. That was terrible. <laughs> dad jokes are still good. Can we edit that out? No, I'm keeping that one in. That, yeah, you guys, you, you got the door. It's his show. I'm, I'm hosting, but it's his show. You can keep it in, Jerry. Oh, man. So I, you know, I played tuba. I was really good. Um, I got recruited into college to play tuba, although I kind of switched gears on the band director and chose pre-med as my major at the last minute. But my dad, I think out of all the concerts I performed in, saw one or two. Um, I played little league baseball. I played high school baseball. And out of all the games I played, I think my dad caught one or two games. I played four years of high school football and I'm pretty confident my dad missed every single game, uh, all because he was having to go up to my grandfather's to, to work. And I just got to see through his eyes in the sense of like, my dad has no clue who I am. And yeah, I'm not, I don't hate him for it. I'm, I'm sad because he's working so hard to support my brother and I, uh, making the best he can out of this post divorce life. And, you know, just, it gave me a chance to see at a young age, I don't want to be there. And so what's the root cause of this? Well, his marriage didn't work out. So I need to not get there. And so what are the things that made his marriage fail? You know, he's a loving guy, very sacrificial guy but he really just doesn't know how to romance his wife. Yeah. And so that's what wound up happening was she felt my mom felt that my dad didn't love her. And so when somebody else came along and showed like, Oh, I love you. Gave attention to her, the things that she was craving, then that's what opened the door for what led to their divorce. Um, and so those are the things that happened at a young age for me to say, in, I'm going to intentionally be the person who will not give my wife a lot of excuses to fire me in a sense. Um, so I, I think I was fortunate in that respect to to recognize that and say, you know, I will choose my family over career and for the longest time lived up to it. So um, I was in the army for a little bit. That's how I met my wife. And I left the army because even though I love to, I mean, I love deploying. I was the guy that, you know, send him out to the field. Why? Because he likes it. And I'm like, what's wrong with him? I don't know. He likes this. Like he's, he, he went full hua, uh in the army. So it's, the army war cry hua. Um, <laughs> and so they, they kind of jokingly say never go full hua, but I did. And so I loved going to the field. I'm like, yeah, this is what we trained for. I want to like put the gear on. I want to like run around and like pretend you guys got shot up because I'm a medic and that's what I trained for. I don't want you to really get shot though. Cause you know, I mean, that, that hurts apparently. Um, but then I deployed to Iraq and, and I realized, wait, I could have been killed. This is real. This is real. Yeah. This is like 2003. I was like on the tail end of my first army enlistment, mm. contemplating re-enlistment. And, you know, when we got back from Iraq and we had our award ceremony. And you were married at this point? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm telling my story all out of time. That's oh, kind of how my head works. It's all good. Yeah. Power of editing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll just like cut and piece everything back together. This is the timeline, guys. Uh, so this episode's I, in a rut. Yeah. <laughs> Already, man. It's only been five minutes. You're Sorry, doing guys. Great. This is great. Uh, so, uh, yeah, 2000, oh, 1999, I joined the army. I met my wife in 2000, 2001. We got married in 2001, uh, right after 9-11. And, um, yeah, 2003, get shipped off to Kuwait with my unit. And a couple months later, we invade Iraq and, yeah, we come back to the States and we're talking reenlistment and it just kind of hit me like, wait, I can, I can reenlist. 
I'm on a trajectory now. I can make rank very fast. I can make that position. I can get that, you know, as far as soldier pay goes, I'd make the big, bu- the big bucks and, uh, you know, life will be good. I'll get the leadership development. I'll retire by the time I'm, let's see, what time? I, I joined at 23, so I would have retired with a pension at 43 years old for life. Um, and so all those things were going for me. But then I realized, but I just spent seven months away from my family. Like my son had a growth spurt in the time I was gone. So how and how old was he during deployment when he So started? he was just a year old and So you missed his whole one year. Yeah, that whole from one to almost That's a lot of two. changes in that time. Yeah. He went from little, big head, blue eyes. I mean eyes. learned how to walk. Yes. You left and he was crawling, you came yeah. back. He, I mean you missed that. Yes. Yeah. But you served our country. Yeah. So I mean there's so many of us, including myself, like thank you so much, Jerry, for serving our country. Thank it's you. amazing. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it comes it's a sacrifice. Price, but. <laughs> it's a, but for all the men and women out there serving our country, it's a sacrifice, and you're willing to do it because you have a heart of service. It doesn't make it any easier. So now you've missed that whole yeah. year. I missed the birth of my daughter. She was the, four, three months old when I met her. Did that take yeah. you back to your dad at all? Uh, a little bit, yeah. In the sense that um, it was a different kind of missing out on my kids growing up. And missing out on my wife and having that connection with her. Uh, so for my dad, it was out of necessity to raise and to support his family, to provide. And for me to pursue a career that I really loved, which was the U.S. Army and all the things the Army does. I was um, well, actually the country was on a trajectory that wherever I go, I'm going to a unit that deploys because that's already in my record. This guy is a field medic. He's gone on a Kosovo deployment. He's gone to war. Send him to a place that's getting ready to plus up their unit to go overseas. So I was on that path. And so that's when I said I was going to make rank quickly. I was going to deploy a lot. And um, so I had, to, I had really contemplated about this. Like, what matters more? You know, this army career? Like, what am I really going to do? Write a memoir? Um, no. And if I get blown up... But you're not, you're yeah. not a private Ryan. No. No. Uh, and I was in as a medic. So it wasn't like they're going to make a movie out of me. Well, Hacksaw Ridge, I guess. I was just about yeah. to say Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. I mean, can you, can you tie that kind of a bowline uh, knot and hang someone off the, off that stump? If I had to, I okay. guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd prefer not to. That was a cool yeah. scene. That Saved was, like yeah. 75 people off that, off <laughs> he that did. ridge. Yeah. Talking about power of God. I mean, that, that dude. Um, yeah. I mean, that wasn't, that had to be a nightmare for him. Yeah. And I mean, today's military. He wouldn't even carry yeah. a weapon. No, no, no. It's incredible. Yeah, a little side, a little sideline yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. it, it, in a sense, kind of lucky that you didn't have to carry a weapon because you have to like not let that thing out of one arm's reach of you. So if I, you know, was in his situation, I'd have to do all that with my M4 on my back or in my hands and like and take care of patients. So yeah, it, the, the, in some ways, the weight of responsibility. <laughs> I'm just thinking about this. Like your dad, he left you. No, well, he stayed. Well, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, when weekends, you were a kid, yeah. right? Yeah. He he left and he's working. Yeah. He's just he's missing the time. Yeah. You're missing the time, but not only are you missing the time, you've got to keep your eyes open. And I think in the back in the episode where you interviewed me, we talked about you've got to stay moving. If you don't if you don't get moving, you're going to get stagnant, you're going to get complacent, get comfortable, and eventually like an oasis just get burned burned out. I think you could not stay stagnant. You had to watch 24 7 because you could be killed right so you had an added pressure did that did that extra pressure like how did that affect how did that affect you and like even the relationships with, with your family because you were at a distance like, oh yeah um now it it happened it hit me in a weird different way so uh, so in the deployment a couple of things are going on so um on, on the one hand 
to, to stay alive to, you know, because, um, that, that heightened sense of awareness and, you know, I mean, we're getting drive-by shootings on us and our compound in Baghdad. By the time we got to Baghdad, um, you know, drive-bys on us every night, uh, people breaking into our compound to steal, uh, nothing, not really to come after us, but to steal like the aluminum rods in the compound. We were sitting on apparently a missile manufacturing compound. We didn't know it. And so we're like, why do you keep breaking into our compound? Well, we don't have interpreters. So we eventually caught a looter who spoke English. And so we're like, what the heck? Why are you breaking into our compound? And the guy's like, you got aluminum rods over here. You know how much those are worth? We're like, we don't care about these aluminum rods. They're not ours. And they're like, well, they're in your compound. I'm like, so you're stealing from us? And they're like, well, are they yours? We're like, we really don't care about these rods. What? And so anyway, I, mean, I already got on a tangent. Digress, but, um, right? but before we got to that point, though, like, I put on like this menacing face. I'm chasing people down. I'm kicking people in the ribs. Uh, on the day that my daughter was born, I'm pretty confident I broke a man's ribs. And, um, and so on the day I know my, my daughter's being born by C-section. And I mean, it, that broke me down. I'm like, who am I becoming? Um, you know, and on the flip side, I'm writing a letter to my wife. Hey, I love you. I can't wait to be home. I miss you so much. You know, please tell Jacob I love him so much. You're in a fight or flight at at work. Yeah. And then I sign that letter. I put it in an envelope. I'm like, what the F are you doing? Get the F down off that wall. I'm going to shoot you in the back of the head. It's just like a way, very different type of person. And that conflict, those are two completely different ends of the spectrum. Um, and I was like, I don't want to bring this monster back home. I wasn't even a Christian yet then. And I was, I, all I knew is I don't want to bring this monster home. So this monster either needs to die here. No, it just needs to die here. And so I, I pretty much was convinced I was going to die. You know, that this is it. There's no way this monster's coming home. The only way it to prevent that is this monster has to die. Uh, completely unaware of like the spiritualness of what I was just saying in that moment. Cause you know, like when you're, you know, a, you're a new creation in Christ. So the old you dies. And then you're born again into something new. Uh, I didn't understand that. I just knew that this monster had to die. Um, so when I come home, so to answer the question, you know, what kind of impact did it have on my family? I mean, there, there were just moments where, um, I wasn't as tender as I should have been. So like if my, my son skinned his knee, I'm like, why are you crying? Snap out of it. You know, like I was like Sergeant Duke and not dad and, um, you know, shooter games, you know, this might be more PTSD type of stuff, but. I would get really intense with like shooter games when my son is older. And so we eventually decided as a family, dad doesn't play Call of Duty or, you know, Modern Warfare 3 or whatever it is. Uh, and it's because, you know, it's just, it, it brought out a side of me that needed to go away. Yeah. Um, so there was that rut. But I think if we're trying to land on a rut, I know the biggest rut that hit me was, uh, so I get out of the army in 2003. Well, I just want to yeah. go back. Oh, real yeah. Quick. Go ahead. Yeah. So let that monster die, right? Yeah. I just had this like, th- this, this parallel. Now, many of the listeners here have not fought overseas. Now, there are many that have, I'm sure, but many have not. But there is a war zone in some people's works. Like they go into their job and they could be in a position where they're feeling like they're going to war and they might be turning into that monster. So this story, although, you, hey, you might not have been to war, but do you relate to this? Do you, Have you ever been to your job and felt like you're going to war? Like you've got to put on like your, your armor to protect yourself. And you, do you, do you even, are you even aware that you're turning into that monster? Just like you had to realize you, you were overseas to becoming this monster and you didn't get to see your family up close. But imagine if someone was becoming a monster just from their job in a rut, trying to protect themselves. And now they're coming home and they're, they're acting this way, you know, toward their family. So I, I, I see that there's a possibility there might, there might be a lot yeah, of men I think out so. there. Yeah. Cause they, I mean, I think any job that, 
forces you to make a choice that compromises your values. I think that definitely, because that was what was going on in Iraq. Like, yeah, I loved doing, you know, military stuff. I loved going to the field. Uh, but then I'd gotten to a place I that went against my own values that, you know, every life is precious, no matter what. And here I'm in a war zone, breaking a man's ribs on my daughter's birthday. And it doesn't you know, have to be yeah. life or death. It could be, I want to be with my family 50 weeks out of the year. But now you have a new job where they're going to say, hey, you need to travel 20 weeks of the year. And what are you going to do about it? Right? Because that compromises your values. And once you compromise once, it becomes easier to compromise. And that turns you, that can turn you into that cold hearted monster that you were talking about. And what does that leave for your family? And so you came right that you came back from war, right? And then what did they like, talk about your post war kind of family life, work life? Let's, let's dig into that part yeah. of your story. And so, yeah, post war, uh, very intentional. So, I mean, the reason I left the army was I didn't want to leave my family ever again. Mm. Um, and so we'll have to bring up what am I doing now? Cause yeah, you know, absolutely. Jerry, aren't you a hypocrite? Uh, so very <laughs> intentional though. It's like I, I'm getting out of the army because. I am going to spend that time with my children while they're young. I want my children to know who their dad is. I want my wife to love me so that when we are empty nesters, we have a marriage that goes on for the rest of our lives. And we, I want those lives to be long. And so, uh, very intentional in that respect. And, uh, my first job out of the army was as an education coordinator for a healthcare organization. So I'm in charge of orientation for new employees. I do, uh, I'm a liaison for, um, a high school health sciences program so they can do rotations in our hospitals uh it was fun and i got to go home every day at five o'clock and yeah and you know i had a good paid time off program uh so if i needed to take a day off to be with my family i could uh, i'm home every weekend there's no you gotta stay late it was a good i had a supervisor who was really big on work-life balance so that's all, rare yeah oh yeah and i had been blessed with just about every supervisor i've had since i left the army has been big on work-life balance and uh, so there's that. I mean, it's just very intentional. I'd say from, yeah, I mean, my kids will tell you that I've been there for them. I volunteered in their schools. Uh, there's a program called Watchdogs when they were in elementary school. Dads are great students where they want father figures in the school all day. And you just, um, they don't just have you follow your child around all day. They use you as everybody's dad. And so you're like, it, I had the first time I volunteered, my daughter was in kindergarten. My son was in second grade. And... Um, so they had me in their classes for an hour each. And the rest of the day, I was like in a third grade class. I was helping fifth graders solve math problems. I was you know, opening up little ketchup packets at lunchtime for everybody and getting random hugs from kids whose dads weren't home or whose dads were at work and couldn't be a watchdog. And it, that just reinforced that I needed to keep doing this. And so, yeah. You, just- you're, you're really, I mean, the first question I started this, this interview with was about, you know, taking that blink, right? And after 10 years, you know, boom, the child is much older. But in that snap of the finger, there's a million memories. And I think a lot of dads might have a thousand memories. Other dads have a million because they were intentional. They were there. Your dad, from what you're telling in your story, he had the hundred memories in that snap, maybe, but you have a million. And you, what you saw in your dad, you didn't let repeat. You broke that generational thing that probably went back a few and so, like, dads out there listening to Jerry's story, you know, are you the dad that needs to break that curse? It Was it your dad that broke it? Are you having that chance to, to, to continue on and be like Jerry? Or maybe you are the one that is like Jerry's dad and 
you're just working. All you know is one dimension, like that one F that you guys talk about in your in your scorecard, right? Of just working hard, working hard. And so you you heard and well, you experienced something that you didn't want to experience. So now going forward, it sounds like you've been proactive, intentional, and but here we are, we're talking about beyond the rut. Jerry, your life seems like it's been pretty amazing and you're so intentional. Well, yes. Uh, no, okay. <laughs> okay. But let's go behind door number two and All right. see. Jerry, give me an example of when you fell into a rut. All right. Um, let's go there. Because there is one. Believe it or not, guys. Um, and that was, so I'm in that first job out of the Army and it's a financial rut. So those five circles we've been talking about, the five Fs, uh, my rut is the finance one. And, and, and off and on, uh, I would say fitness is a roller coaster ride. And so right now I'm on the, uh, Jerry got a little chunky part of the ride. And in a few months I'll be in the Jerry's fit as heck part of the ride. Terry Garcia. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ice cream is good. Uh, you know, lunch yesterday was a slice of cake and some ice cream. And I was like, this is why Jerry. Yeah. And dinner was anyway, that's not important. So the financial <laughs> rut, the financial <laughs> rut. And, um, it, so this is like a generational thing that b- both my wife and I have been working hard to get away from, but there's still some mindset shifts that need to happen. Um, and so I'm trying to remember what year it was. I think it was 2005, uh, Christmas time, 2005. Um, we had a credit card that I got out because my dad had a heart attack in like 2004. We didn't have cash. We got a credit card so I could fly to California and be with my dad. He's still alive and well. And, um, his life is an example of a miracle because he's had enough heart attacks to kill him and he's still walking around. He's got type two diabetes, still walking around. Um, like the guy shouldn't be walking and he's walking. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, dad, you, you shouldn't really be tempting death, but, um, it, it's funny. You're like telling death to go away. Um, so that, that's coming back credit card. It's maxed out. I spent all of 2005 paying that credit card off. And it was probably like a $6,000 balance, maybe a $4,000 balance. Not, not huge as, you know, what other credit cards can be. And I, but I'd spent all year taking every little bit I could to pay that off without compromising our, our lifestyle. So that was kind of the challenge. My wife didn't want us to like go Dave Ramsey and like, you know, cut out superfluous expenses. Rice and, and beans. And, yeah, yeah. And like there was, there was no pay this thing off in two months, which we, probably could have done if we right. got sacrificial like that. So it took all year. Got you know, from January till November, paid it off. I was like, ah, that's great. And then uh, we had Christmas and I woke up not on Christmas day. Christmas day was fine. We, we got up, we opened presents. We played a Christmas story on TNT for 24 hours. Of like course. Supposed to watch it four and, times. Yeah. Um, but not in sequence. Like I watched like the middle 15 minutes and then like the beginning 15 and the end. You know, that's how the right. movie is. It's kind of like a yeah. podcast. Yeah. You just edit. You take the pieces you want. Yeah. It's like how I'm telling my story. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're in the future. Now we're back in the past. Now we're back in the present. Back you in the past. You need a DeLorean to do yes. that. Yes. Oh man. It's, you know, I, yeah, I don't have a DeLorean, but I got an imaginary one. Um, and so, but on December 26th, you know, the day after Christmas, um, you know, we gave our kids a great Christmas, nice toys. They, we got it on video. We watch it all the time. And the kids were how and, old? Um, roughly, gosh, I got to do the math here. Like uh, 10, 11? Son is no younger. Uh, my son's probably about five. Okay. And my daughter's about three. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I wake up that morning, 26th of December, 2005, and I just realized our credit card is back to max. 
stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. And you didn't even see it coming? No. Wow. I didn't even put it on there. Oh. Yeah. My wife... Ouch. Didn't... My wife was managing the finances ever since I deployed to Iraq. And so when I talk about there's a mindset shift that was needed, um, it's it's a couple of things. Uh, it's a lot of things. But yeah, she'd maxed out the credit card. Deflated, like, right? Yeah. Is that how you felt? Yeah. Oh, so much so. I was like, I spent all year um, paying off this credit card. Mm-hmm. We just maxed it back out. Mm-hmm. And but, but you said a pronoun I just caught. You just said, I spent the whole year paying it off. Yes. It sounds like it's possible, Jerry, that it wasn't we spent the whole year. We fixed all this. because Yeah. And so um, when is there a point when the pronoun changed from I to we and you were on the same page? It sounds like this is a, a time in your life where there was a little bit of a, like, you went intentional on your marriage, but there's this area of marriage and finance that, like, as you're saying, you were in a, in a rut and... It was just moving along. Got the good job. And she, you said she was stay-at-home mom? Yep. And stay-at-home moms, it's a tough gig. I, my, my wife's been home for 16 years. And it's very easy when they get bored. You know, not that they do often because they're always working. But there can be times that it's like, oh, I want this. And they see some ad on YouTube, I want this. And if the credit card is that accessible. I, I mean, I don't know. how Everyone does their finances differently, right? But in your in your world, I just heard those pronouns. And yes. So keep going, keep going. So yeah, when did the pronoun shift to we? Uh, I would say that next year in '06. Or is no, it longer? A longer. I would say more recently. To, to be honest. Oh wow! So yeah. we're talking of a financial rut that's like a decade. Yeah. And it yeah. wasn't a big one. Like I think in the episode you and I, you were interviewing me, we talked about ruts. They can be different sizes. They can they can be a groove. That I mean, you bear like a, like a, the groove in the sidewalk. It's not a big rut, but it's still a rut, right? It's just enough for water to go through it and make a little like path through this. But there's other ones that could be like a chasm. They can be deep. And so yours was yours was shallow, yeah. But little by little, it got deeper and deeper, right? Without and maybe after that ten, tenth year, you looked up and it's like, oh, that's a lot bigger than it used to yes. be. Is and that I would, I would, yeah? I would say um, summer of last year is when the pronoun started to shift. Wow. Um, what and, what caused that shift? Um, I'm still digging into that. And, and it's it's interesting. So, I see what you did there. You dug yeah. into it. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yes. Jerry is uh, very clever. So there's, um, <laughs> yeah, there's, gosh. I, I just threw you off. <laughs> I know. I, I'm trying to word it in a way that it doesn't sound like I'm blaming my wife for it all. Because, I mean, I, no, I definitely have no, a part in it. Absolutely not. No, it's a um, we thing. We both did this to ourselves. So it, it sounds like, so going back to 2006, yes. I realized um, and then we'll, I'll come back to this other thing. Okay. So in 2006, I wake up that 26th of December and realize credit cards maxed out again. We're going to have to spend all year paying it back off. Yeah. And the tires are spinning in mud. Yeah. Yep. And so to pay this off, by the way, nothing's going into savings to cover 
um, emergencies. Uh-oh. Yeah. That's that's the big uh-oh, yeah. Uh-oh. And, you know, I read Dave Ramsey's uh, Total Money Makeover. And um, so I, I know what needs to be done, and we don't have it. And to get there, like... Like, what do I do first? Because this cart's maxed out. The payments are ridiculous. And I can't not pay that. Um, and so I just talk with Liv. And I'm like, we, we got to do this. I, we, I think we need to do these baby steps. We need to get $1,000 set aside. And, um, and she's like, okay. So that was, that was the kind of thing. There's, so I do get $1,000 set aside. We have an emergency. We, it's not even an emergency. It's like we want to make a big purchase. And I don't want to use their credit card. So this emergency is the thousand dollar emergency fund. And I'm like, the spending habits didn't change. No, it did but not. But you had the you had the thousand in place and the credit cards being paid. Yes, but I want to get this thing. It's five hundred bucks. I got thousand bucks sitting over here. And I want it now. And it's I want it now. Emerg- I don't even remember what the thing is. That's no, how none of your listeners yeah. would do this. No, yeah, probably not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you do, let me know. Uh, and, and so. I saw it in December of 2005 that if nothing changed in how we looked at money in our career, I'm going into the rat race and I don't want to be in the rat race. And I, I tell my wife, I don't want to be in the rat race that there's no quality of life there. We're going to miss out on so much if we fall into this rat race. Um, and we still haven't, I don't think resolved what's going on with my wife as far as why saving is a bad idea for her and why um, credit is okay for her and why, you know, like why does she not accept my aversion to credit? And, you know, so there's like all these whys. And um, some of the things that have come up over the years though, is um, she's intimidated when we talk about money and I'm like, but I'm not, I get frustrated eventually. Yes. Um, But like I don't say we will do this or this is my house, my paycheck. You right. must do what I yeah, say. Like team. I've never been like that. Um, but I will get passionate and say if we change nothing, this one hundred dollar balance on the credit card will become a ten thousand dollar balance on the credit card. The payment will become this. Um, Did that scare her when you say that? Um, Did it cause her to think like, "Wow, you're you're probably right." She would just say, "Okay, we'll do what you want." And then they'll stop the conversation and then I'll go to make the payment and do like, we'll create a plan, a budget, and I'll go to make the first payment and there's no money there for that. And it's like, what, what happened? And so it's just been this kind of repeat. Remember what we talked about with your dad and you know, like these cycles repeat, like what you saw your dad, you broke it, but in many, many men, they just repeat generation. And I've seen this, maybe you have too, but with, with your wife, it's not necessarily her fault. There's a, it's probably the way that she saw her parents with money. Like if you study how is your wife and how is her parents when she was growing up as a little girl, a lot of times they might hang on to if they're big savers because they saw everything go out of the house or maybe they're, so those habits that were instilled in them and it's, it's hard to bring that into, to, into your marriage. And so you yeah. gotta, you gotta tackle some of those things. It's hard. Yeah. And there's a strong association. I know one of her parents very good with money. Uh, retired from this parent's I'm trying to keep the gender out of it so it doesn't identify too much. Yeah. That, you're being brave, by the yeah. way. You're having a lot of courage yeah. sharing this with your audience. Yes. I, I think uh, that your audience is really appreciating that you're opening up like yeah. this. And I, I, I think it's awesome. Yeah. I, I admire you. that you're doing this. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So one of her parents, very good with money, retired at the age of like 52, 53 years old. Right. Uh, millionaire. Also married and divorced three times. Oh, wow. So there's this connection that uh, having money means Leads to not having family gotcha. and family is important for her. So, um, the other parent, K 
carefree in the spending, happy as can be. Um, but then, you know, if an emergency pops up, there's some stress. There's no way to cover it. And, and um, She saw money as the problem because when we had money, our family went downhill. And so we have with you, hey, we have money. I need to get rid of it to protect my family. It could be something that simple, more of, um, you know, that's like a fight or flight for your wife, where in, in your case, fight or flight was you're in war. And there could be many wives dealing with this. And like, to get together, that's, that's a difficult thing to do. So, okay, so come, so come back now, right? It's 2006 to 20. Like, talk about, I mean, talk about that era. Yeah. Uh, it was, it's kind of a repeat. Like, and so at some point, I don't even remember what year it is. Uh, I wouldn't say I've given up on it because that totally goes against the show. Uh, <laughs> but I've resigned to the reality that wherever my wife is, when it comes to her mindset on money, I need to be patient because I can't force her in and say, do it this way or, hey, give me the money back. I'll manage from now on because what if I die today? She's going to need to know how to manage this. Um, yeah, because there's, you know. Hopefully she doesn't murder me and get the life insurance. No, I'm kidding. No, uh, there, there's life insurance to take care of her. And so uh, my hope is that she sees the importance of budgeting, the importance of investing, uh, the importance of not having debt so that when I do go and there is this windfall from the life insurance, that it'll take care of her because she'll take care of it to take care of her. And um, so that's a big part of why I don't just like take the money. And I don't want, I don't want that level of power over her you know she's my equal you know we're we're one couple um and so yeah there's some decisions i've made that i think from the marriage standpoint as far as us being equals has has been there so yeah i'll go earn the bacon um but i want to hand it to her to manage See, and you're you're bringing up a part <laughs> of the rut that i hadn't thought about and the way I'm, I'm i'm hearing you explain the rut there are ruts that you have the control to change and there are some that are tough like you know the proverbial you're climbing up the ladder. You want to get out of the rut, so you think you need to get a promotion, get the next job, or if you're in a business, get to the next level. But sometimes there's a butt in your way, right? You can't get to that level because someone blocking the path. You don't have that control, and so you're stuck. And so how do you get out of that rut? You just have to wait, or you have to like, you have to figure that. You have to make a lateral move. You have to leave the company to start your own business. You have to get uncomfortable to get comfortable, right? Yeah. yeah. And the same thing in the financial part. You wanted to get out of the rut, but you had, not that your wife's the big butt, but in this case, it was your wife wasn't quite ready yet because of things she had to work out, things you had to work out. And so you weren't able to get out of the rut. You were stuck. You were kind of cruising in that particular one. And you had to be patient. You had to exercise love. You had to, you had to win her over, over time, which, you know, that strengthens your marriage. But I think there's a lot of people that are in ruts. They're like, you know what? That sounds great, Ken, Jerry. I'm in a rut and I can't get out of it. And so to those men, do you have any advice for them that are that are in a rut that they can't just pick themselves out and do it? Or maybe they can. Like, do you, yeah. what do you, how do you speak to that man hearing this? They've, they've got to have that talk with their spouses. I mean, that, my wife and I have, we need to have more frequent talks. That's the big thing. Um, and my wife's a very emotional person. I'm an, I'm an emotional person. Uh, but her memories are tied in with strong emotion. So we didn't talk a lot about money in our marriage, probably once every six months to 12 months. And it's usually when there's a crisis, like, mm -hmm. what do you mean we're about to foreclose on our house? We get paid. 
seventy five thousand a year. Like we we have plenty of money to pay the mortgage bill. How are we four months behind? And Maybe she's not. like, uh, I forgot to pay the mortgage. I'm like, oh, how do you forget oh. to pay the mortgage? And so it's like, all right, what do we do to automate this and not foreclose on our house ever? And we had the money to pay off the the difference. It was it was like a weird oversight. Like she got so caught up in some other activity with our family because again, family is the important thing. Being there for family is important, and um. And so there was that that weird thing. So, um, gosh, I lost my train of thought, dude. What was just uh, asking? Yeah. Like, and that's that's great. Like, you're a very patient husband. And yeah, that's difficult. Oh yeah, the advice to guys. The advice, yeah, yes. advice to guys. So, there we go. Landed the plane there. Uh, <gasps> thank you, there man. So my brain shuts shuts <laughs> down after like three p.m. So this is a miracle. I'm still talking in sentences. <laughs> you're doing good. Um, so you got to have the talks. Um, and because my wife and I, there we go, because my wife and I had infrequent talks about money and they're usually in crisis, uh, the emotions are high. So whenever I want to do a, a preventive uh, discussion around money, like a budgeting meeting or something, um, she's already leery and nervous because all our talks up to a certain point have been very passionate and like we're in crisis mode. And so that's the first thing that comes to her mind and she wants to avoid it. And so it's taken me a long time to realize that in her, that because of the way our money discussions have been through most of our marriage, that whenever I want to talk budget and, you know, like, look, we got these big expenses coming up. How do we want to manage that? Um, she's already like shutting down, protecting herself, putting walls up because she's preparing for a fight. And I'm like, wait, what? Um, why? I'm not. You're back in Iraq. Yeah. And I'm like, why are we getting ready for a fight? I'm, I'm saying. We make this much. We're getting ready to spend this much. Um, what's our plan to manage what we've got so we're not dipping into savings and we're not dipping into credit cards? And that that's my only goal. I want to tackle these things and not use these two resources. But those walls are already up. And they're already up. Yeah. And, you, and, and you've tried to breach. So you're trying to climb over the wall. Yeah. But they're too big. Yeah. And so it's it's something she's going through and she's got to navigate through. And, and all I could do is just present the case and give her time to think about it and a lot of times she she comes around but you yeah, said so. in frequent talks yes would more frequency of the conversations or let here's an example i'm married five kids you know and they're all over the age age group my wife gets distracted and when i want to talk to her and i want to tell her all the things that happened yes. that day and i come up to her and i can tell that she has mom brain Right, she's just got a lot of stuff going on. Let me tell you, let me tell you about my day. And I can see her eyes shifting from place to place. All I'm doing is adding to her stress. She's not listening, and then I get upset because she's not listening. All I would have to do, Jerry, is to say, um, "Honey, I'm noticing that it seems like you're distracted. There's, you know, maybe I can talk to you about this at a different time." And she'll say, oh, "Thank you so much. I get that." And so, is it a little bit of you know, just paying attention more? to our spouse and reading those or talking to her more or we like to do retreats just her and I or date nights every week or weekends together and that's not feasible for everyone but little little things like that so what would your advice be because you're you're saying infrequent yet high emotion because of the frequency was not enough yeah and so what could you do you you need to come in you need to fly that plane lower right you need to get in when the walls are down so how do you how, how do you as a husband, and what advice for these other men listening, how can you approach your wife about at the right time? Yeah. And the one thing she's asked us to do is don't just come, because I mean, I'm always thinking about it. I'm like, oh, maybe the ADHD, who knows? But you know, like I could be thinking about work one moment and uh, a project the next, and then 
somewhere within a few seconds the budget for the next six months in our family. Yeah, and then like in detail, boom, and 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 it's like in an Excel sheet ready to be showcased, like the Ten Commandments. Um, she's not ready for that. Yeah, she says that it blindsides her. So because I, I go to her in excitement, like it, the thing Dave Ramsey says not to do is just like come out of nowhere with these spreadsheets. And yes, and uh, and so I, even though I'm aware of it and I try not to do it, I still do it. And because it's a question, I'll be like, hey, by the way, what do we still owe on the car? Right. And uh, of course, in my head, what I'm really thinking is, why do we have a car payment? But, right. you know, so, just, but during all yeah, this so time, all this time, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's setting up a time with her to talk about it. It's like, hey, when can we talk about the next month's expenses? Let her have the option. And yeah, set the time with me. When do we want to talk about it? Right. Um, and then the, the second thing is just as hard is sticking to that time so oh that's I, good yeah because that's the thing it's because it's still an emotional trigger for my she wife needs to trust that, you yeah like i'm gonna and, set this up and i'm gonna follow through yeah and that's good so uh the thing i've had to learn to do is even though some of the topics that come up and the discussion points that come up are passionate for me i have to not be passionate i have to pretend to be spock from star trek no emotion that I'm just presenting facts that I still love my wife. She's still a great person. Um, this is just the information I'm presenting. So of this information, what, what is more important to you? I, this is the strategy I think we should take. Maybe keep the why and, in front of you too. Yeah. Like, why would we want to get out of debt? Here's what I'm yeah. thinking. How about you? Do you have any reason that you'd want to be out of debt or not to have this hanging over us yeah. anymore and get her heart engaged? Yeah. And that's, um, and then again, it's a mindset shift that's needed right. for her because to her, debt is fine. Yeah. My mom's right. always had it. Um, we've always had it. And I'm like, but your dad doesn't. Right. Yeah. You know, my dad's gone bankrupt twice. You know, it's like, wow. would, and I think that's the thing. Like she doesn't want to live like her dad. So when I use her dad as an example, like, look, right. your dad retired at 52, no debt. Um, if he wants to buy a car, he pays in cash. Boom. He's like Dave Ramsey, but the Mexican version, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's like he bought, he bought a house, 50,000 cash. Boom. In the Valley. That's in cool. Texas and just bought it two and a half acres. It's his paid in full. And he was able to negotiate because he paid in cash, just like Dave Ramsey says. And it's like, that's where we need to be. That's what you want. Yeah. yeah because there's freedom in that. This guy retires at 52, decides I'm going to be a truck driver, <laughs> learns to be a truck driver. He was an electrician for Exxon, learns to be a truck driver. Truck drives for like two months and says, "This really sucks. It's nothing like in the movies." You got in the rut. <laughs> I quit. And he got the rut. Yeah, he's like, "There's no way." Yeah, he's like, "I I did this to like pay for my travel, but you really don't get to leave the truck. True. They track you by GPS. And if you're one spot too long, they call you and say, "What the heck? Get on the road again." And so he's like, "No, I, I quit." Well, a couple months later, he wants to be a clockmaker, so he learns how to be a clockmaker, and he does it for like two or three months. He goes. This is te- this is harder than electrical work. He's really this. willing yeah. to try new things, though. Yeah, I mean, that's there's a lesson in that for those that are stuck places. Yeah, be willing to try new things. Financial freedom gives you the yeah. freedom to do things. Yeah, and, and yeah. In, in this story, this twelve year, yeah, well, fourteen years where you're in this financial rut, I can, I feel it. Like I've yeah. been in that too. And we're talking about in these five Fs, and there, you know, any one of these listeners here can be in any one of these. They can be in two. They can be in all five. And we're not going to discount. Or say one's worse than the other. If it's a rut, it's a rut. Call it what it is. And yours is financial. Others are marriage. Others are children, family related. Others are their job. It, whatever one it is, like your story should resonate with a percentage of the people here. So I want to hear a couple things. Let's. I think it's. Let's bring this to a close. So let's 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 look at the 2020 on. I want to hear the victory in this 
And then I would just love to hear, Jerry, just some of the vision for Beyond the Rut. And where do you see this going in the future? How do you get this podcast out of any rut it might be? You're close to 300 episodes, right? So what do you, I'd love to hear the vision for that. But first, let's do the victory on okay. your on your right. Yes, because there is one. It, I, I know. I want to hear it. Uh, and the breakthrough, I kid you not, breakthrough just happened three weeks ago. What? Yes. Uh, so, um, you know, one of the things that I mentioned earlier, I got out of the Army because I didn't want to be away from my family. And a year and a half ago, a friend of mine uh, called me up and wanted me to be her replacement at the job she was leaving because she was going on to something else bigger and better. Uh, but the job's in Dallas. My family's in Corpus Christi. I'm in Corpus Christi. Oh. I'm not looking for a new job. Um, so I, I entertain it because my boss says you should do it. And my VP at the time said you should do this. You should look into it. Don't decide. Just look into it. Um, so I interviewed for this new job. It's, uh, so it would take me from being a manager to a director. I'd have to leave my company and go to another company. Um, and then the other thing is the job's in Dallas. 404 miles away, door to door. And I'm like, no. I didn't even want to interview because uh, unless my family wanted to uproot and come with, I was not into it. And my wife and I talked about it. And the thing that kind of hit me and was in the back of my mind for a while is our daughter is going to leave high school and leave us and go to college. Just like our traitorous son left us. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Jacob, I love you. Um, <laughs> you. You had to grow your wings and fly. It's it's cool, man. It's cool. Um, but I mean, that's kind of how it felt for my wife, though, because she's always wanted to have these kids and raise these kids. And, well, they were jerks and they grew up on us. Um, so anyway, to, to land that plane, though, is I already saw ahead that our daughter is about to leave high school, go to college, leave us. That's just going to leave my wife and I. What's life going to look like for my wife and I? So that was the biggest factor to take this job. And then the agreement is I'll come home every weekend. Then I realized the, job, the drive sucks. So we were like, okay, maybe I can do a long weekend every two weeks. And that's what we wound up doing. So for the last 20 months, that's been what we've been doing. And uh, my supervisor has been great in the terms of letting me have that time. You know, it, it's hard for him to have people work from home. And he's been gracious enough to let me do that every two weeks for like three and four day weekends. Um, but I mean, that Friday and Monday, I'm working from home, but I'm able to make that trip. And, do, and, and since doing that, I've been able to see my daughter dance her final year on her high school dance team. Uh, I've been there for the holidays, for Christmas, for Thanksgiving, and, and so on. And, and COVID made it challenging because... Uh, for everybody. For, yeah, quarantines made me miss three whole months. I mean, like a month here, a month there, a month there. Um, so those parts sucked. And I'm not going to lie, the drive sucks. Waco sucks. <laughs> Waco's in between Dallas and Corpus. And I don't know why they're still doing construction for over a decade. That Nothing looks different in that town. It's like... Somebody needs to investigate. Shout out to Boston and the big dig. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> so um, the big breakthrough is uh, yep. my daughter goes off to college in two weeks. Okay. Uh, we're going to put the house. We're fixing the house up pretty soon. Uh, it's going on the market. It's a hot market right now. Oh, and we're not, we're not greedy. So we, we seen the comps. I'm like, all right, I'm willing to go down a little bit to get this thing to sell at record speed and price. Uh, our realtor said, you can get the record price and the speed. That's how hot the market is right now. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. Uh, I'm okay, again, with dipping the price down a little bit, get it sold quickly. Um, and then we were looking at the equity because we were in this house for 17 years. And so there's equity, not because of what we paid down, but also because how much this property is appreciated because of the market. Yeah. And uh, original plan was take the proceeds, invest in rental properties. I now have cash flow coming. And... Um, 
it turns out there's some expenses coming that I wasn't aware of, but now I'm, I am aware of them. And I was like, okay, we need a different game plan because uh, we can have these rental properties, but we're going to be still negative because living expenses in Dallas are a little bit more. Uh, so we need to trim expenses. And so I started looking at, well, if we don't have this car payment anymore, that frees up 290 a month. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have that car payment anymore, that frees up 490 a month. 700 bucks. Like, we, and I'm like, proceeds from house can pay off two cars. That increases our cash flow by what? $780. I'm like, that's more than the two rental properties would create. And I was like, okay, we got to pay off the two cars. And I was like, wait a sec. We're also going to be paying off a mortgage. So our living expenses, 1500. Yeah. Cause we won't have a house anymore. So, um, we bought the house 17 years ago. So our mortgage is $805 a month. That's still $1,500 swing on cash flow. Yeah. So now, yeah, 805 dropped off there. Plus all the bills that went into like maintaining the house, electric, utilities, uh, cable, taxes. Um, well, that was lumped in with the 805. So our escrow was in that as well. Um, so we're looking at like freaking up like two grand a month. By moving my wife up to Dallas, uh, now it offsets a little bit because we we send our daughter off to college. Expenses, so some costs yeah. there. Cost so, is up. Um, this move is going to free up roughly six hundred once everything's and that's us settling into a new apartment. You know, refurnishing some things, selling some stuff off, uh, downsizing. Uh, no more credit card either. So again, financial rut. Like, and that hasn't. You haven't. Is it paying it off and putting it maxing it, it off again? Or sorry. Is it paying it and maxing it, or is that cycle stopped? Uh, no, that that cycle's still there. That's that okay. again. That rut up until okay. that that is the rut that that is the rut. But yes. you can deal with that one because yes. you had a big breakthrough. Yeah, and this is awesome. Yeah, so I mean, D- Dave Ramsey steps one through four, I believe, are going to be knocked out in about a month or two, and then my wife's going to be up there and, in Dallas with me, and we begin the chapter of empty nesters. And, uh, so that was part of the whole reason why I moved in the first place was to kind of pave the way for my wife and I living together forever. You know, that, that's, that's the thing. And that's coming and it's a big shift for her. She doesn't like change either. So, uh, in one month's time, um, and from my daughter's perspective in one month's time, my daughter is going to lose the house she grew up in because yeah, I mean, she's 18. She's lived in that house for 17. Um, so it's essentially the only house she knows. Um, she, my daughter said she's losing her mom because mom's moving to Dallas and she's losing, losing the three little kittens we just got a couple months ago. And we're like, well, one of the kittens was yours, but you gave them to us. So <laughs> that's your fault. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of the big shift for both of them is uh, Liv's coming up to Dallas with me. Um, but I'm excited because we're going to have a number of things. We're going to have some financial freedom. You know, we're going to have some cash flow that we can set aside and start investing. Um, we're going to have the mobility to go home to Corpus and visit our kids. We're going to have the mobility to go on vacations. You know, it's, it's just a brand new world. A lot of doors open now. Yes. Yes. And that's the thing I'm excited about. So on my personal life, that's what's happening and that's where we're going. And I can see, I'm sitting across from you. I can see you have lit up. Yes. You've lit up in the past few minutes as you've explained this. Yeah. Because you're back together. Yes. And you're out of that rut now. You couple that things, is- a couple things to still clear up. Yeah. But I mean, who isn't going through constant change to improve? That's what you're doing. Yeah. You're, yeah. I mean, you're, you're showing an example right here to your audience. Yeah. So now, how about going forward? Beyond the rut. Beyond the rut. What's, what's beyond, what is going on beyond the rut? What's happening? So beyond the rut, uh, many of you know that I took over around March. You heard about it finally in June or July when Brandon did the farewell episode. Um, 
And for the past couple of months, I've just been spinning my, not spinning my wheels, but really transferring the power over to me, I guess, or the ownership over to me. So uh, now the domain is my name, uh, in my name, uh, the, the, the website hosting, the podcast hosting, all that stuff is, is now set and ready to go. We've uh, gotten everything recorded to the end of the year. So the next three months, I'm going into like a strategy mode. Um, I already know some of the big things I want to accomplish. Are you uh, be able to share any of those? Yes. Uh, Beyond the Rut. I had to ask. I had been working on a manifesto for six years. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That manifesto needs to come out. Is this like a Jerry Maguire manifesto? It, kind of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's Because uh, there was a manifesto. Show me that, the money. <laughs> yeah. You know, because Brandon, uh, he was the original host of the show, uh, was inspired by uh, a manifesto that some guy who had six-pack abs wrote. That's that's all I remember because half the manifesto was about how to get six-pack abs. I'm like, why'd you give this to the men's group? Like, do you want us all to like start working out and dieting? I mean, I don't get it. Uh, it was called the the Impossible Manifesto. So this is going to be like the Beyond the Rut Manifesto. Like, uh, why the five Fs are important. Why you know there's a hiking analogy. You know, look up and look forward. All that stuff. So I need to publish that because it's going to be the foundation for the show and for the platform that's to come. Uh, I'm going to hone in on uh, the target audience. The target audience, a lot of people don't know this, but the target audience has always been Christian men in their 30s and 40s, married, who have children, have a great corporate job. They have the house, the dogs, the the two-car garage, the two cars in the garage, um, but they're stuck. They despise the commute to work, the commute home. Uh, they don't have the energy to plug into their families. They're, they're just struggling in some way uh, because they don't feel like they're able to have the freedom or they don't have the freedom to really do what their dream is. And I mean, that's why I lit up when you were telling about Arctic land, like you're, you're living out that dream and uh, you're like, what is he talking about? Go back to that episode where I interview Ken and you'll know. Um, and so I want to hone in the messaging towards that target audience. Now, the last six years have been great. Uh, but then when you listen to those shows, you don't really know who the audience is. It's an entrepreneur show. Are we a leadership show? Are we a Christian podcast? Um, are we about women's empowerment? You know, we're about all those things, but more specifically, what do you as the 30 or 40 something year old who's married with children, uh, great corporate job, but you're not fulfilling your dream. How can we help you get there? And so the tools like, um, measure it to make it that goal setting tool is designed to help you create that vision, put it in paper, uh, in front of you. And, then start pursuing that and make that thing a reality. And so the things that come out of Beyond the Rut are to help you design that life you want to live, identify that dream, and then go pursue that without sacrificing your faith, your family, or your health. So That was awesome. And when can the audience expect to see some of these uh, these changes coming in? Oh, man, they're gradually happening now. Uh, so because of podcast movement, uh, I'm identifying those little things that have been holding out um, or holding us back on our reach. Uh, infrastructure type of things like uh, turns out our website was not mobile friendly for six years mine wasn't either and i'm like <laughs> golly you know like learning how to get google insights and run a test on beyond the rut.com was the most depressing thing in the last two to three days uh but then that, in fact that Worse just happened than yesterday. A maxed out credit card yes just about because <laughs> like because you've been working and working and working and you realize you're you're in a hole and you're like wow i did not know i was in a hole uh so yeah, knowing that score, I changed the template or the theme, and the score went from 27 on the mobile uh, version of the site. And uh, the guy who told me this said it needs to be 75 or higher. And I was like, oh, man. Uh, so I, I Googled you know, top mobile-friendly themes in 2021, found the one that actually was on my host, 
switched it last night, score jumped up to 80. Yeah. I was like, that's it. <laughs> that one theme was holding me back as far as the mobile platform goes on Google searches. So it'll be neat to see, see where that goes from you here. You just dropped an incredible nugget. Yeah. You just said that one theme was holding me back. Yeah. What if we end on this? Sounds good to me. Gang, <laughs> what one theme in your life is holding you back? Think about that. We've touched on finances. We've touched on fatherhood and not being around and working a lot. Could be your marriage. It could be maybe um, just a staleness or a stag- being stagnant or having a rut in, in your faith and not feeling close to God. What is the theme that's holding you back from being mobile friendly or being, I mean, just having a life of abundance and being able to make the impact that you were meant to make on this planet. We don't have a long time. The snap of our fingers, our kids are growing up and we're looking at retirement. So we don't have as much time as we think. So I'm hoping that you guys got a good glimpse of what I got to see face to face. A man that is hosting this show, that's growing it to new places. He's got a sparkle in his eye and he's ready to serve. So I encourage you guys reach out to Jerry and Tell him, tell him how, you know, tell him how he can make this show better. And I know that he will do that. So Jerry, thank you so much for letting me turn the table on you and interview you here today. It was a, it was a lot of fun. I really appreciate that opportunity and you do a great job here on the show. So thank you. Thank you for letting me be a guest on my own show. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. I love it. I hope that you enjoyed this episode where I opened up and shared with you Who am I? What is it that drives me? What was a struggle that I've had up until just a few months back? And if you found value in this, if you found encouragement or inspiration, and you know somebody else who will also benefit from this episode, hit the share button and send this to that person, whether it's by email or text, and let them know why you found value in the episode. And maybe they'll listen to it and they'll also share it. And that's how we get the word out so that we can all live life beyond the rut. Now, again, this was episode 300, and I am so grateful. If you've been here from the beginning over six years ago, and you're still here listening, thank you so much for your support, for your encouragement, and so on. I know there are some of you who came on to uh, the Rudder Nation, or came into Rudder Nation years into our endeavor, like two or three years, like Scott Green uh, from Llama Lounge. Thank you, because your weekly updates, your, your feedback letting me know that this show is resonating with at least somebody out there other than my mom means so much to me. And there's so many people to thank. I mean, 300 episodes, we've interviewed a lot of people on Beyond the Rut, and I've come across a lot of paths, even people who have not been interviewed on this show, who have poured into me in some way, shape, or form, poured into Brandon, and you know, it's just been a great ride, and we're going to keep going. I want to see where the next 300 episodes take us. Who knows what podcasting will look like six years from now, uh, but it's I'm, I'm in for it. Let's go for this. And uh, again, thank you for being here. Thank you for sticking this out. Thank you for pushing yourself to live life beyond the rut into a life worth living. So until next time, go live life beyond the rut. Take care.
You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.